And I think that is what makes such a great spiritual teacher is that you are the one who figures out what's true to you. Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Hello and welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. My name is Samantha Nagel. Um, This topic is going to be a little different than I've talked about in the past, um, but I'm really excited about it. Or not excited because it's, yeah, I mean excited. (laughs) Um, So I have recently watched The Deep End, uh, which is a documentary or a docuseries about the spiritual teacher Teal Swan. Um, And it's looking more and more as I watch more episodes that she's not a spiritual teacher. It's more of a cult organization. So I'm not going to get too into the details and I'm not going to do like a deep analysis on Teal Swan herself because um, I'm going to be a guest host on Mal Beckett's podcast. So Mal was a guest on this podcast with her co-host Nao, um, and Mal is an upcoming guest. So we've already recorded that episode, um, and her episode will be airing in July. So you're going to hear more of Mal. Um, but I'm going on to Mal's podcast, which is the Millennial therapist podcast with Mao and Nao um, as her guest host, um, and we'll be talking a lot more in depth about Teal Swan. So we'll be going into um, like things about her specifically. So this episode is not going to be related to her specifically. Just some kind of like thoughts I have on spiritual teachers and spiritual mentors, stuff like that, um, and things that I think are like valuable takeaways that I've had from life and also that that docuseries brought up for me. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to dive super into that too. So if that was also like triggering um, the docuseries, it was triggering for me as well. So just know I'm not going to be going into um, like that content. So rest assured, you won't have to hear about all that. And if you do want to learn more about her, you could watch the series. I would put a big trigger warning on it. There were parts that I didn't watch. I had to skip through. Or you could listen to a podcast like the one I'm going to (laughs) do with Mao, which comes out pretty soon. Um, Or you can find another episode or article about her. So transitioning away from that, um, I'm going to reference it, but I'm not going to like get too, too into it. One of the biggest things I saw was like spiritual or just sovereignty in general. So last week's episode um, featured Ellen Gilbert, who's one of my absolute favorite spiritual mentors slash coaches or teachers. Um, And she, I think even in the episode, we talked about sovereignty and what that means. And if you check out her um, Instagram page or her website, you can see her doing 
like nervous system sovereignty workshops. So she's really into the concept of sovereignty. So that word sovereignty was already in my mind. And when I watched that docuseries, I saw there was not a lot of spiritual sovereignty in those teachings. And it just made me reflect on how important it is to have, if you're going to have a spiritual teacher or leader or coach or therapist, um, they have to allow you that spiritual sovereignty or sovereignty in general. Um, and sovereignty is, is like ownership, but um, like that you are, you are in control of yourself you know best for yourself. Um, you are allowed to make your own decisions. You're allowed to have your own opinions. Your inner voice, your inner wisdom, your intuition is always right above all else. So that would be how I define sovereignty. Um, and I, I saw a lot of that missing in that documentary. Um, yeah, so... I think the biggest spiritual teacher red flag that I would want anyone to know about is when someone tries to take away your sovereignty. So to me, like a valuable teacher or mentor or coach will encourage you to look within yourself always. Um, I was just reading, <laughs> my dog just um, thrashed about because it's really hot in this room. And actually, just as a side note, um, I'm very hot too, but um, she's afraid. She's terrified of ceiling fans, and we've tried everything. Um, we tried giving her chicken when we turned on the ceiling fan, but then she became afraid of chicken. <laughs> um, so we just gave up on the, the ceiling fans and got a bunch of floor fans, but the floor only heats up the or cools down the floor. So <laughs> you can see how that's not always so helpful. So both me and her are hot, and it bums me out because I'm like, we could be cooler if only you were less scared. Anyways, we're both dying in here. <laughs> um, I'm in New Mexico as well, and it's uh, one of the hottest places in the U.S., I think. I'm just saying that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> um, anyways, what was I even saying? <laughs> um, oh, I'm reading The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck, and Martha Beck... Um, pretty good so far. I'm in chapter one. <laughs> um, so I don't know, like I can't vouch for the whole book, but uh, it's, it seems okay. Um, but Martha Beck was saying that a, it's the ring of truth, she called it. And she said, I hope this book is a tool for you on your path of integrity and your path of like self-help basically. Um, but if it's not, if it doesn't sit well with your ring of truth, then don't read this book. Don't take what I have to say just because I'm saying it. Only take what feels true to you. And I listened to that this morning on my walk, and I had just finished the series yesterday. Um, I think I watched four episodes. It doesn't seem like any more are coming out, but I don't know. Maybe there are. Um, and so that was like really a fresh contrast in my mind of her saying, like, I want you to think what I'm saying is true, but I don't need you to. <laughs> I want you to figure out what's true for you. And I think that is what makes such a great spiritual teacher is that you are the one who figures out what's true to you. And this is actually like an issue, not an issue I take with religion, but one of the flaws I find in many places of organized religion, not even religion itself. But, um, 
there is a lot of discouragement that I've seen in believing your truth and believing what you believe, or even daring to question your beliefs, right? Any place, person, or institution that doesn't allow you to question your beliefs, to me, that's a really huge red flag. Because let's say you are questioning your beliefs about God and you're in the church. I think whatever God is, if there is a God, I think there is something. (laughs) Um, That something can absolutely handle your questions and your questioning, right? I think we often ascribe God to be this very human, yeah, very human figure who has like an ego and has insecurities and and has attachments and needs to be right, right? Um, But I don't think that's true because we're humans, right? And the point of worshiping or acknowledging or integrating or whatever, a higher power of some sort, is that it's a higher power, right? And if it's a higher power, then you know, it's, it doesn't have those like same human hangups that we have. And of course we ascribe those human hangups to a higher power because, and those aren't even hangups, but you know what I mean? We, we ascribe human characteristics to a higher power because that's how we understand the world. We have never not been humans as far as we know in this lifetime. Um, and so we wouldn't know any different than to ascribe human characteristics to something else. I mean, goodness, I do that even with like, I think we do that with all things, right? Plants, we like put little emotions and thoughts and and stuffed animals or even like dogs. Like I often think my dog does very human things. I think she's just doing dog things that I have to humanize in order to make sense of. So why wouldn't we do something like that as com- with something as complex as like a higher power, mysticism, right? Of course, we're going to humanize those things. So I think the whole point of that was if you're being taught that God or a higher power can't take your questions, can't take your questioning, I think that's something to look at. Not that you need to question, but if that's something that you're feeling called called towards, I suggest you listen to it. Um, And there's a lot of fear about questioning things. Um, Fear that we're going to go to hell. Fear that we're sinning. Fear that we're angering God or our spiritual teachers that are not God. Um, Yeah, and I, I... I just want to say that I don't feel that that's true. Um, I was recently reading um, Mary Magdalene Revealed by Megan Watterson. And oh my goodness, it was so amazing. But she said something about sin, which I think was so, so beautiful. Let me pull that up. All right. So let me pull that up right now. Um, In the way that Megan interprets the book of Mary Magdalene or the gospel of Mary Magdalene, which I haven't read on its own. Um, so I'm, (laughs) I'm interpreting how Megan's interpreting this. So, you know, keep that in mind, but essentially Jesus said, there's no such thing as sin as we think of it. Sin is translated directly as miss the mark to miss the mark in some way. Uh, And Megan Watterson, I think she's quoting Mary Magdalene, but I'm not sure. 
She may just be interpreting it. She says that sin is forgetting the love and the reality of the soul and then acting from that. So sin isn't doing something wrong. It's when we don't come from love and when we don't honor our true selves. That's what missing the mark is. Missing the mark could just be not being authentic. Missing the mark could be not aligning with love. But it's not sin in the sense that we are bad and we should be punished, right? Um, and she also says that the body cannot be sinful, which is another conversation, but so, so good. Um, yeah, and that just really, really resonated with me because I grew up – I didn't, like, grow up in the church, um, but I grew up, like, like a Venn diagram. <laughs> There'd be, like, the church – and then outside church, and then the overlap of those two circles would be me. <laughs> so I had to go to church. I had to like hang out with churchgoers. My school was very inappropriately like a church. Um, we got taught about evolution, or sorry, about the Bible in biology class when we were supposed to learn about evolution. We instead watched a video on creationism, and one of my bio biology teachers had us go around the room and say what we believed in like as in God, God or no. Um, and if some kids declined, like the, like the couple of non-Christian kids declined um, and they had to give an answer. <laughs> it's just like ridiculously inappropriate. But anyways, um, so yeah, I would say like with those experiences, I can say I kind of grew up in the church, even if my parents weren't Christian. Um and yeah, I just like heard so much about sinning and felt that fear of sinning and felt that fear of hell. Um, and to hold that fear over people's heads is is so toxic. Um, yeah, so like 10 minutes just to say that's a huge red flag for me. Um, and why the docuseries really made me think of that is because we saw so many people question her and quest say, I even question her, but say like, this doesn't resonate with me, or I'm having resistance to this thing that you're telling me, or I just don't agree with that. Um, and something would switch in her very visually and audibly. Her actions would shift. She would get harsh, judgmental, very critical, very defensive. And if you have a spiritual teacher or mentor that can't take criticism or can't take not even criticism, but can't take you disagreeing with them. That's a huge red flag. Um, yeah. And also, I just want to say that I haven't, like, I've pretty much made up my mind from watching that docuseries. Um, but I really went into that with an open mindset um, and really tried to keep my biases in my consideration, right? Like, I know that kind of our culture has a bias against women, especially like confident, business, strong, assertive women, um, and also a bias against spirituality that's not Christianity. And because I was raised in that system, like I am myself a spiritual coach and podcaster, um, and I'm a woman <laughs> who owns a small business, who's trying to be assertive, it's pending. Um, but like even those things, a feminist, like I still have those biases against women and against spirituality as like a, a business. Um, even though I'm like all for those things, I do have that bias because of the society I was raised in. So I really did try and look at that and say, like, do 
am I just viewing her as a villain because that's what I've been trained to view strong women as? Like, is she, you know, is she really just assertive with boundaries and I'm viewing that as a villain? Um, and I also tried to keep in mind editing. I saw her defense for this whole docuseries was editing, saying that this crew like edited things to make her look like she was saying things that she didn't really say. And so I really did try and keep that in mind. Um, and there were a couple instances where I was like, okay, that shot was definitely one where she just kind of had resting bitch face, but they overlapped audio where she was saying something. So it looked like maybe more sinister than that situation was, but those were pretty far and few between that I could see. And I also tried to see like, when is she saying things where we're not seeing her mouth actively say that the whole time? Cause that could be edited as well. Um, but there were so many times where the abusive things that she was saying, the toxic, the scary things that she was saying, um, we're like all you could see her mouth moving the whole time. So to me, that was like, you know, maybe they edited edited it sure. Um, but you can't like you couldn't edit those shots. Um, so yeah, I, I believe that the docuseries was accurate or as accurate as can be. Of course it was dramatized, but just wanted to throw that out there that I did try and keep that open mind approach. <sighs> what was I saying? <laughs> I keep going on little tangents. Well, I guess I was done. Um, <laughs> yeah, that she just got defensive. That's what I was saying, that she got defensive every time that someone pointed something out in her. And I, But I've also seen that from other levels too, right? Um, so it's a really big red flag. Um, I also want to talk about like healing when you're not working with a therapist. Right. And so this is something that I'm really conscientious of as a coach. I've also been in the therapeutic and counseling realm. So I do have that like trauma informed background. And I also have that background of um, like the acknowledgement of those boundaries. Um, but I often think about like, it's not okay for someone who's not a mental health professional to open up trauma wounds for someone. It's just not. Um, and do I believe that non-therapists or counselors can be profound helpers to those in in traumatized situations? Yes. Um, and like it's a fine line because in my work, I do talk about sensitive things with people. Um, people are open with me about past traumas and people might get triggered in a session but I think the difference is when that happens, I take a trauma-informed approach and I make sure that we're not actively processing trauma together that should be saved for the container of a mental health therapist or counselor. And I make sure that I'm not digging into those wounds and opening them. And if they are opened, we take steps to gently close them back up again to soothe ourselves, to re-regulate ourselves, and to kind of check in on how they're feeling throughout all those steps. And the session, even if it goes longer, won't be over until I feel that that's been de-escalated, right? So, and, and Teal Swan's not the only one doing this, right? She's just one of the only ones with a show about it. Um, is that a lot of healer-type peoples will be really adamant to open trauma and do the shadow work, that's really what I want to talk about. The shadow work. 
I like that term. I like that term because we do have to kind of do the shadows to do the light, right? As above, so below. Um, if we want to flourish above and and feel safe above, we do have to navigate the below, the shadow parts. Um, and it's really important to address our triggers and to process our traumas in a safe way. Um, but I think I've heard this a lot too, where people approach shadow work as like, almost with like a hustle mentality, like a capitalism mentality, right? Like we have to, we have to do the shadow work, like it's work, right? Like we have to really get in there and the more you can do at once, the better. And you're lazy if you don't. I actually remember a couple episodes in, there was this really sweet girl who joined and she eventually left, thank goodness, um, like the inner circle. And she was like kind of arguing with Teal saying, yes, people need to address their traumas, but we can't force them to do it. And sometimes people just aren't ready to do it. And I remember Teal saying like, no, we have to force people if they're not ready because that's for their greatest healing. And it's just not true. Our bodies really do have the key to what we're able to handle. Um, for example, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> um, yeah, our bodies really do know what we're able to handle. Um, oftentimes we don't our bodies or brains won't bring up situations for us to process until we're at the place where we're safe enough to deal with them. Um, I've even seen this in clients, both when I was in drug counseling, drug and alcohol counseling, and currently that oftentimes they'll go through something really traumatic or just really uncomfortable and really hard. And then it doesn't really hit them until they're safe and content and happy. Um, so even like like a, a more non-charged example, because I was going to give a charged example earlier and I don't want to do that. Like a, a smaller example or like less traumatic example would be I was in a job that was just not great. Like my boss wasn't the worst boss, but he also wasn't like – yeah, I just didn't feel like very safe around him. There was some things looking back on that seem just unhealthy. Um, but I didn't allow myself to process that hurt and that discomfort and that anger and that like insecurity that developed until I was in a better workplace where I had a very supportive and kind boss um, and I was in a professionally safe setting, right? And so it was like a delayed reaction to all those discomforts in that job. They didn't come up until I was in a safe job because our bodies and brains just know what we can handle. If I had been processing those heavy things in my job, then it would have been like really unsafe for me to still be there because I had to be there for a little while. Um, and But it was safe enough when I was in like a safe job. Not that that job was unsafe, but you know what I mean. I was in like a more open space, whatever. And I think that's that's really similar with a lot of people. And so we should never force ourselves to open things or look at things when we aren't ready, right? Or when it doesn't naturally kind of do so. Sometimes, of course, 
Like we do need a little bit of encouragement to talk about things that are uncomfortable because we can also go into the repression mode for sure, but we also don't need to like really get in there and do the work as quickly as possibly, right? It's okay to work slowly and gently and with lots of breaks. You don't always have to be quote unquote doing the work. That's just such a capitalist way to view mental health work and shadow work, right? It's such such a like hustle, hustle, hustle mentality. We can take our time doing that shadow work. Even calling it shadow work doesn't really sit well with me. So yeah, that's another. Oh, and just hmm, another point I want to say about spiritual leaders or teachers, facilitators, is that if they're asking you to go to really heavy places right away, that's kind of a trauma bonding experience, right? If someone wants you to open up to your deepest, darkest wounds right away, um, I think that should be kind of a red flag around that. And that is like, you know, it's called trauma bonding because it does encourage a bond, (laughs) but that bond isn't necessarily healthy or helpful, especially in the long run. Um, And in those specific examples in the series, they were not supervising that trauma reliving, but untrained peers were. So just people who were coming to that retreat were supervising their peers, unpacking and reliving all these intense traumas. And also what happened in the show specifically was that these these false traumas were introduced. And I do believe in repressed memories um, or uncovered memories. Um, Like I said, the body sometimes doesn't give us what we can handle until we can handle it. Um, But when someone else is telling you what those repressed memories are, I start to believe it less and less that those are authentic memories, right? And how incredibly damaging that a spiritual teacher would do that, that you have so much trust and respect for. And I'm not just saying Teal Swan. I'm saying lots of therapists do this. Lots of trained professionals do this as well. So This advice also works for just like the therapist that you're seeing or the coach that you're seeing, right? As I began the journey of shifting my career to a job that aligned with my values and beliefs, having an education in health coaching has been transformational. Through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you can become a certified health coach to empower your relationship with food, health, and wellness, live your dreams, earn while you learn, and embark on a new path. Join the global community of like-minded change agents who are here to empower, inspire, and motivate you to create the life you've always dreamed of by clicking the link in the show notes. And by doing so, you'll receive $2,000 off tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off tuition if you choose the payment plan option. Or you can mention my name, Samantha Nagel, spelled N-A-G-E-L. Discover how to take a holistic and nourishing approach to health and wellness today. (laughs) 
One thing that was super obvious to me watching this was how much, how many unhealed wounds that she had that she was bringing to the table. So with that being said, I've had a lot of therapists um, who have brought their unhealed emotional wounds and experiences to the table. And I, as the client, was able to see like, oh, she's just saying this because of her own thing, which is really uncomfortable for me to know, but I guess helpful. Um, But it's also really hard to be able to tell if that's what's happening. So it can be really unfortunate, especially if someone hasn't gone to therapy a lot or hasn't had a good therapy experience before that experience when that facilitator, facilitator has a lot of their own unhealed wounds. Um, and that's also not to say that a coach, therapist, healer, whatever needs to be healed, <laughs> right? Because they, you'll never find someone, right? You'll never find someone who's reached perfect enlightenment or perfect healedness. And anyone that claims to be healed or enlightened, um, I would be really, really weary of because we all have wounds and we all have issues. It's when we really pack over those wounds and use those wounds to hurt others, especially in that vulnerable state that's really an issue. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't even really know how I would say to look out for those red flags in your spiritual leader. Um, yeah, just, just maybe being aware of that, um, would be really helpful. And also anyone who says that they're fully healed, um, just be really weary of that as well, because no one is able to ever be fully healed. And that lets me now go into the label healer. Healer. Healer takes a lot of the responsibility of someone else's healing process into your own hands, right? So for example, I've worked with clients who have said, you know, because of you, my menstrual cycle has regulated. Because of you, I got this new job. Because of you, whatever. And I always, always say it's not because of me. I may have provided space holding. I may have provided perspective at times. I may have provided education. But it's always, always, always the person who does the healing work. It's always the person who decides to integrate education. It's always the person whose perspective is changed. It's always the person who does the self-reflection, right? So to call myself a healer, would be to do a great injustice to the healing work that my clients are doing. And that's the same with anyone you're working with, a therapist even, right? A therapist is not healing you. A therapist is not fixing you. One, that's assuming that you're broken or wrong to begin with, to say that you need healing or fixing or mending because there's nothing wrong with you, right? There may be something you want to work through or integrate in or, yeah, recover from, but you're never broken and there's never anything wrong with you. So to ever call yourself a healer is to insinuate that someone else is not healed. And two, it's also to insinuate that you have power, (laughs) that you have this 
this magical ability to heal others when the only way that someone can find healing is through themselves. And then three, again, like I always say, healing's not a journey or <laughs> healing is a journey. It's not a destination. You're not, it's not a dichotomy of healed or not healed, right? It's constantly healing, constantly. So whenever people call themselves a healer, that right there is a big red flag for me because yeah, I just don't think that exists. <laughs> I think catalysts to healing, space holders for healing, um, guides to healing maybe. Um, so yeah, and, and in that docuseries, she called herself a healer quite a bit. Um, let's see. Some of my notes are really about um, her specifically. These are also my notes for my conversation with Mal. So I'm not going to go into all of these. Hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a cult. I'm reading through my notes. <laughs> I want to talk about shame or disappointment in this situation after that long pause. <laughs> um, I'm worried too, and I, I said this on my interview with Mao, is that there's no judgment, right? I know that, oh my goodness, I have a great example. I had this self-help writer, speaker person that I looked up to so much. Um, I found her book. It was given to me when I graduated. I'm not going to say who it is. Um, it was given to me when I graduated uh, college, and I was in a really rough place then. That's when my anxiety was probably at its worst, um, and it's been bad. <laughs> so it's at its very worst, um, and I just really felt like overwhelmed and and so lost. And her book was very much like, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, just start drinking more water, get your eight hours in, and you'll be fine. And that's not how I view wellness now. It's like we're much more complex, right? I don't believe in the pull yourself up by the bootstrap mentality. Um, but uh, it is what I needed at the time that really resonated with me because I really needed that. Be I like needed that motivation, even if it wasn't meant for me forever. And so I really liked this person. I would listen to their podcast and read their books and and watch their like Instagram videos. And then there was something that came out with her that was, um, yeah, like just the more and more information I received about her, I realized, oh, she's not someone for me to look up to. And actually she's, she's not someone that I want to be taking advice from, certainly not modeling any of my services after. And there was a lot of shame like I remember, this is such a silly example, but it was my Spotify wrapped at the end of the year. And I had already had this re realization about her. Um, and I wanted to share my top five podcasts that I listened to because mine was on the list. And I was like, hee hee, yay, cool. Um, and there was, she was on my list because I had listened to her so much previously. And I remember hiding it and like putting the text box over that podcast because I felt so much shame and disappointment that I would ever like, follow someone like that, be interested in someone like that, that like hurt people and like didn't have the values I had. But I didn't do anything wrong, right? I didn't do anything wrong. I felt shame in myself and disappointment 
and both of us, <laughs> me and her, for that. But the shame wasn't necessary. And so I'm saying this because I hope you don't hear me talking about Teal Swan and think that I'm making a judgment about you, right? I, I did go to her social media pages and we have so many mutual followers. I mean, like people I know follow her. <laughs> I don't have as many followers as she does, <laughs> um, obviously. <laughs> Other, Yeah. Um, but yeah, like she's popular for a reason. And I also don't think that the things that were in the docuseries, which were mostly about her inner circle and her inner life, would be apparent if you were to just like enjoy her books and watch her videos, right? So I just want to point that out there, put that out there that there's not, you don't have to have shame if this, if this is like someone you looked up to or just in general. Gosh. Yeah. I feel like I'm always getting disappointed by like kind of spiritual leaders or self-help leaders, the more that I grow, I'm like, oh yeah, this actually really doesn't resonate with me. And I'm really disappointed about that. Um, but yeah, there's just no need to be shame, shameful about like that interest you had in them. Um, and also it's okay to like still integrate what you learned from them. And like, even if you learned it from them, right? Like if you learned something from Teal Swan or if she really helped you with one of your her videos or books, like that's cool. I'm glad. It doesn't take away the lessons that you've learned from her. And it also doesn't mean that everything she's said publicly has been wrong. Like her teachings may apply to you in your life and that's fine, right? It can be nuanced in that like you may learn that she's not the best person that you want to follow anymore, but you don't have to completely disregard all the lessons that may have helped you, right? Um, I guess that's really all that I have to say on spiritual sovereignty, just to really, I mean, I think it's been pretty clear by now, <laughs> but just to really drive home that Something should always resonate with you. Something should always feel good to you. And when you start to feel tense in your body, when you start to, there's this feeling I get in my mind that feels like super present in my forehead area of my brain or headspace, whatever. And it feels like really tense and like blocked and like pressurized kind of. Um, that's typically a feeling of like resistance. If I feel contraction, if I feel butterflies in my stomach, not in an excited way, but in a kind of nervous way, um, if I start to have to be really careful and walk on eggshells, those are typically physical, mental, emotional red flags for me that something is a no But something's a no for me. If I can kind of feel my body going into fight or flight or fawn, my goodness, fawn, um, then that's typically a no for me. So what would feel yes is feeling warmth, feeling soft, feeling oh, like almost a sense of relief, feeling understood, feeling seen, um, feeling intrigued, like 
like sometimes people will say things that at first I'm like, no. Then I'm like, well, maybe. <laughs> right? But the the well maybe is more of like, oh, intriguing. I'm curious about this. I kind of want to know more. Has like that curious edge instead of like, no, no, no. Icky, icky, icky. I remember my therapist said this, and it's a little different. This could be like more interpersonal as well. Um, but I think it applies. I was having conflict with someone and I was saying, well, maybe I'm just triggered by them. Kind of what I said about Teal Swan, right? Like maybe they're just a really assertive woman who knows what she wants and has clear boundaries. And I don't feel confident in that way. So her confidence and assertiveness is triggering to me. It's making me want to step away, but really I'm just being a pansy. (laughs) I don't know what I said, but something like that to that effect. And she said, you know, I love that self-reflection, Sam, but can I ask you this? Do you think I'm assertive? Do you think I'm confident? And I said, yes, I do. Because I do. I do think that. But then she said, have I ever made you feel that way? And so the way I was talking was nothing I ever said was quite right. I was kind of always walking on eggshells. I was never really meeting her expectations. Um, I was nervous all the time around her, whether there was conflict or not, because there could always be something, um, and kind of feeling uncomfortable because she would judge other people pretty harshly. And I knew she judged me harshly as well. So it kind of made me anxious. And she said, do I ever make you feel those things? And I said, no, but you know, you're my therapist. Like, why would we have ever had that interaction? We don't talk about things. Like, we don't have that kind of relationship. And she said, but we have talked about things. I've made requests of you. I've I've set boundaries with you when needed. Um, You've made requests of me. You've set boundaries with me. Like, did it ever feel like that? And I reflected and I said, no, not at all. It felt safe. It felt comfortable. I felt like you were being honest with me, but I didn't feel nervous. And she said, Sam, that's because I'm assertive in a healthy way. This person you're describing is they're controlling. They're not assertive. They're controlling, right? They're gaslighting you. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that was that was really helpful for me to go, oh, okay. And so I don't know if that really relates to spiritual teacher, but kind of, right? Kind of. Teal would say things like, you know, if you can't handle it, whatever. Like she would set these really hard and fast, like pretty controlling, demanding statements or requests. Um, and I could see like other spiritual people doing that as well. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Just something to like keep in mind of that. that what is assertive? Maybe that's something you can do for yourself too. Do you know someone who's assertive and clear with you? And do you know someone who is has not been that way. And how can you kind of compare and contrast the two? Because that was just such a helpful exercise for me. I wanted to relay it, even if it doesn't quite fit here. But I think that's really all I wanted to say on spiritual sovereignty. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was like, I hope not too tangential. Can't even say that word right. (laughs) No matter how many times I say it. (laughs) 
Um, all right, but yeah, make sure and listen to my episode with Mal. I'm going to link her podcast below because I don't know the exact date that the episode releases, but I will definitely be posting about it. And you should just check out more of her podcast in general because she has a really, really great podcast. All right. Thanks for listening. I would love to know more about what spiritual sovereignty means to you. Oh, just some announcements as well. With Patreon, I am in the middle of restructuring my tiers, and I really want feedback from – it's kind of funny. It sounds like I said tiers like I'm crying, but tiers as in tier one, two, three, um, the tier system. Um, and so I would really want input from my community if you can give me some. <laughs> um, so right now the current offering is for $5 a month, you get weekly guided meditations and the backlog of meditations. And then for $10 a month, you get access to the Discord server plus weekly um, gatherings plus the week, or sorry, monthly gatherings plus the weekly meditations. So I'm kind of thinking of restructuring that to the $5 level still being guided meditations plus the Discord server because I don't know why I was gatekeeping that. Like, it's not like it costs me anything to have the Discord, right? I should share that for the the basic level. Um, and then the $10 tier, moving from monthly, like, longer gatherings, because they're usually, like, 90 minutes, to, like, 30 minutes to 45-minute weekly, like, circles. And then also wanting to add in, like, monthly workshops that have like health education uh, or just education in general. And so I don't know if I'd add that educational thing into the $10 tier or make that its own tier. I'm not sure. But if there's also anything differently you would like to see, I'm just really, really, really open to feedback because I want it to be nourishing for everyone and also accessible for everyone too. But I also have to I have a hard time charging for sure, um, but I do want to put a price point on it because it. the point of Patreon is that it is a more accessible way to work together because there are free ways to reach me like the podcast and my Instagram. So this is just a way to like a little bit of an investment and also supports like the free work that I do and stuff like that. So, but I do want to make them as accessible as possible. Um, another announcement, I've changed my pricing for one-on-one -on -one coaching. So before it was sliding scale, but it was kind of like select your own sliding scale, um, which I like in theory, but I noticed people were really hesitant to select their own price. I don't know, even though I always said, really, really select whatever you think is right. <laughs> But I think people, there's a hesitation there, which I completely understand from the other side. So if you go to my website, empoweredspirituality.online, go to one-on-one -on -one coaching, towards the bottom, there's the tier one, two, and three, which is self-selecting one-on-one coaching payment. I've also lowered the price of tier one as well. Um, and so those three tiers are completely self-selecting. You don't have to prove anything. Like I don't need to see your income. I don't need I don't need to know anything about you. You just pick that tier. So just so you know, working one-on-one -on -one has become more accessible and affordable. The last announcement, hang in there. Um, this is a little, I think I announced this about a month ago, but I don't think I said it on the podcast, is that I started doing guided breath visualization meditation sessions. So in my one-on-one -on -one coaching, 
there's usually an element to meditation or hypnosis, kind of visualizing, breathing, uh, maybe for like 10 minutes. Um, but I think I've seen the most profound results and shifts in people from those exercises. And sometimes people don't need three months of coaching. They just need a little tune-up or they just need that safe container for a couple sessions. So that's why I created these sessions. So they're 70 minutes. So that allows us for like 50 minutes of actually doing that exercise. We also don't have to do the whole thing, right? Um, and like 10 minutes before and 10 minutes after, we can also kind of incorporate talking more in the session as well. Um, but that those sessions use breath, breathing techniques, guided meditation, guided visualization, and somatic exercises. And we kind of work together on what the comfort level and safety zone for those things are. And so that is a great fit for anyone who wants to heal at the subconscious, spiritual, and somatic level and wants a safe container to do so. So there is a one session offering. It's just $60 for one session. And then $155 for three sessions. Obviously, there's a little discount there. Um, yeah, those are new, and I'm really excited about that offering, if you want to work with me that way. All right, I think those are all the, like, little updates I have. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, I was also a guest on Kelly Driscoll's podcast, The Self-Love journey. No, it's the journey, a self-love podcast. Um, her, she's so awesome. She's also going to be a guest here pretty soon. We haven't recorded the episode, but it'll come out in July or August. She's really cool. Um, so yeah, go ahead and check that out. All right. I think that is everything for real. Thanks for listening.